Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into his word. Let's jump right into today's message. Well, I do want to welcome our online viewers and those that are listening via podcast. Hope Covenant, would you welcome our online viewers and listeners? A rowdy round of applause. Good to have you with us. I say it every week. If you're ever with us in the Charlotte area, I encourage you to stop on by. We'll make you feel right at home, won't we, Hope Covenant? Choosing to be set apart. And I want to pray in just a minute and welcome the Lord as as I believe that this is meant to really uh, be a moment for us with God. I'm praying that you don't hear me this morning, but that you hear right past me and hear the voice of God. Because I believe there's some things that the Lord wants to communicate to you this morning that if you would obey and apply the things that we read in Scripture, the Bible's really clear. Scripture, the Word of God, does not return void. That means it's not empty, it's powerful. And so, Father, we right now open our hearts, we open our ears, we open our minds, and we open right now ourselves up to you to do whatever you want us to do. Whatever you want us to do, God, out of obedience, we respond to you by saying yes this morning. We choose to be set apart. And I declare that even prophetically over every person listening on the podcast or watching online or in this room. I thank you, God, that we would have an encounter with you this morning like no other. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, we just shout amen. Amen. Choosing to be set apart. This is a choice, being set apart, being set apart apart. Think about that for a minute. We've been saying the choices I make will determine the person I will become. We've been saying that for the past couple weeks. This isn't a series, but we've almost treated it like a series. This has been an anthem that the Lord has had me really focus on. I'm not better than, okay, and it's important that we don't think that. Uh, remember, as he's, the Lord is attracted to humility, so we're not better than, but we're held and, and holding ourselves to a higher standard because I'm committing myself to the lordship and authority of God in my life. Living set apart is going to be something that's inconvenient because what we're doing when we're set apart is we're saying no to the temptation of sin. We're saying no to the casualties of not being effective and reaching out to others when it's more convenient to sit at home and watch Netflix and Hulu. So we're, we're committing ourselves to the authority of God, which means that his mission and his commission become our focus. That, That is good. It's a narrow road when we live set apart. I was, uh, actually, I had a, an opportunity to drive. A friend of mine uh, has, a, has a brand new Corvette, um, and it is, it's got like, I forget what the horsepower, it's, I, I'm not a car guy, so I don't know. I just know I was freaked out about it when I got in the driver's seat. It actually has an, a computer that helps actually um, maneuver the wheels and the front and the back and, and, and skids and all kinds. It was, it was amazing. This thing was a, just a gigantic computer. It was, and it was a stick, so I was even more nervous because I know how to drive a stick, but this is like a whole different ball game. If, you, if you're a car guy, you get what I'm talking about. And so I got in the driver's seat and I realized something that, and I wanted to, I'm talking about this because of the narrow road that when I was, I was taking turns in this thing and I was, I was going fast on a narrow road, I 
I had to be careful and I had to slow down and really take my thoughts captive as I was steering this thing because I'm dealing with this powerful machine. When you get under the presence and the glory of the Lord, you're a powerful machine for God, a powerful person. I don't want to call you a machine, a powerful person, but I'm giving you this sort of a picture. And the narrow road is harder to drive on than a wide road. When you have four lanes, it's easy. You can kind of maneuver in and out of the lanes. But when you have a narrow road, a two-lane highway, you got to really pay attention. I remember when Liz and I moved here from Texas, Texas, if you know anything about Texas, and we lived there for five, six years, the roads are very straight. You could take your hand off the steering wheel and just press the gas pedal. It doesn't really matter. In Texas, it's just flat and straight with an occasional right or left turn. But when we moved back to Charlotte, I realized that the roads are like this, and then you've got another issue, which is that usually there's no shoulder and there's a dip in the road. So if you're not careful, you're going to end up in the ditch. Guys, if you're not careful spiritually, you're going to end up in the ditch. If you don't take this road carefully, you're going to end up in the ditch. The Bible says this in Matthew 22, verse 14, for many are called, but few are chosen. And I like this translation because it breaks down the point that I'm trying to make. In Matthew 22, 14, in the message, it says, that's what I mean when I say many get invited, only a few make it. What is that verse saying? The invitation to live holy and follow the ways of God is an extension and invitation for every one of us, but only few will choose that. And those that do choose his lordship. See, we, I say this all the time. We all love a savior, but lordship means I'm committing to your ways and your authority. I'm going to choose the narrow road where you say I'm supposed to go. That's where I'll go. What you say I'm supposed to do. That's what I'll do. Like Daniel, when you say I'm supposed to move to Nashville, even though I've got a great job and Daniel had a great job here in Charlotte, I'll do what you say to do God, because I want to do with my life what you have for me. How many of you know we are supposed to live our best life according to his will and his purposes? And this whole message about living your best life, I love that as long as it's in accordance with his will. If your best life means your will, well, now we're not choosing to be set apart. Y'all feeling me? We can see the choice to be set apart as early as in Genesis with Adam and Eve. God said, you're called to be set apart. You can eat from whatever you want. We all know the story, except this one tree in the garden. And what do they do? They run to the temptation of that one tree and they eat of it. You can see uh, the call to be set apart in Israel. when The Israelites were called out of Egypt into somewhere better, and he performs miracles. If you remember this, he parts the Red Sea, swallows up their enemies in the Red Sea, and his only ask, this is God, well, the only thing God says to the Israelites is, hey, don't worship any other idols. Worship me. I'm your only one. I'm your one true God. And what do they do? They start worshiping idols. So you see the fallibility of man once again. Then we can take a look at the disciples that were called to be set apart. Jesus spells it out for the disciples that they're not to look like this world. And a lot of his teachings were saying that, that they're called to be set apart for such a time as this. And by the way, the end time started when Jesus ascended to heaven. We've been in the last days since he ascended. But Jesus said this in Luke 16, verse 10, if you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So what happens going back to the disciples, Judas 
ends up betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. That's like 600 bucks in today's standards. So again, you see the the fallibility of even his disciples. But this verse, if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the large things. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you'll be, you'll be on I'm sorry. If you, if, but if you are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So what is that telling me? It's telling me that God watches my faithfulness and that's where promotion comes. In a generation that jumps to don't judge me. How many of you have heard that? Like everybody, like don't judge me, don't judge me. Yeah, we say that when we're eating fried chicken. Like don't judge me. And Jesus is very clear that you'll know a person by their fruit though. Scripture doesn't say that. I'm not excusing being critical or judgmental, but let's be honest and lean into the fact that your choices determine your fruit and your fruit really spells out your character. You guys picking that up? Picking up what I'm putting down, I believe this whole don't judge me thing is directly tied in many cases to a spirit of antichrist, believe it or not. The Bible is clear that in the last days, you'll see false prophets on the rise. And it's clear that good will be called evil and evil will be called good in the last days. Let's look at scripture. Jesus, Matthew 7, verse 15 to 20. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. Let's pause right there. Jesus said it right there, that by their fruit, you'll know them. And you can identify evil when you look at fruit. You can identify good when you look at fruit. And right now, in the day that we're living in, we are seeing good posed as evil and evil posed as good. We're seeing that deception. You go, I don't know, how, how how do we get clarity on this? You get into the presence of God. Okay, how many of you know God does not operate out of confusion? And he's not, he doesn't speak in riddles. He is a clear God and he comes to bring freedom. But the minute you start distorting the word of God, you end up with confusion and you end up not being free. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. You can pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Guys, it's plain. That's the red-letter words of Jesus. Paul said this to the Christians in Rome, in Romans 12, verse 1 to 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So when you lean in and you submit to the Lord, you end up with discernment and clarity. When you lean into the presence of the Lord, you end up hearing Holy Spirit, which gives you the discernment and clarity you need to know which is good and which is evil. And that's called conviction. It's called conviction. And it's important that we submit to that. The same verse in the message version says, so here's what I want to do. 
God helping you take everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Can I read that again? Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. I'm going to pause right there. That's important because what culture does doesn't mean that's what we do as Christians. There's times where we have to stand up to culture and say no. And we're going to talk about that even more. So don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Aren't you glad that God is developing well-formed maturity? Say this out loud. Say, today, God is developing good and well-maturity in me. I believe that. So we need to take a survey of our lives. We need to look at our patterns. We need to look at our habits. And what does a day in the life of Adam look like? Put your name in there. What does, what does, the, what does the day in the life of so-and-so look like? Personify that. Put you in there. I'll say this, that the patterns you choose affect your life. Aristotle says, we are what we repeatedly do. An anonymous quote, and I've said this before on social media, but I, I love this, that thoughts become words, words become actions, actions become habits, habits become character, and character becomes your life. Worldly patterns produce temporary s- satisfaction and long-term consequences. Can I say it again? That worldly patterns produce temporary satisfaction and long-term consequences. See... We love the message that when he comes and he saves us and he erases sin, that we're free of that. And that's true. But what we don't think about is the consequences of sin. What we don't think about oftentimes is how our sin is affecting those that are around us. Because we're in a me, 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 selfish environment many times when we're outside of the Holy Ghost. Living our best life, but when you're set apart, you're not living your best life according to your will. It's to his, which means you will lay down sin. You no longer have the convenience of sin. I say this, that sin is kind of like Chinese food, mall Chinese food. How many of you have ever been in the mall and they've got that sample teriyaki chicken on a stick it's like the sample of of teriyaki chicken and then you put that over some fried rice how many of you feel the holy ghost right now yeah and then you end up in the bathroom praying for the return of the lord about two hours later you know so sin is kind of like that teriyaki mall chicken you never know where that's been and who's prepared it and how long it's been sitting there marinating in that gook and that filth. They say mall Chinese food and mall food in general is some of the most unhealthy food you'll ever have. We kind of dig it. I know it's got like, you know, sometimes we go through Chick-fil-A, we, we dig all the fried chicken stuff, but that's not necessarily great for us. Well, the same is true with sin. And it'll kill you. The Bible's clear. That, that, is, that is where sin ends up. 
We need to make our anthem, I will not allow something that ultimately means nothing to keep me from something that will ultimately mean everything. In other words, we need to pray for God to remove the things from us that are keeping us from his callings, that release us into his, in, into his destiny for us. Let me even believe that. Now, this is where it gets good. And this is where I'm believing for this generation. In Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused the orders of King Nebuchadnezzar to worship a golden idol. They lived a life set apart for God, and nobody was going to tell them otherwise. Now, I want to rewind about this story because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I've taught this before, they actually, had, uh, they actually had Hebrew names, and they were actually given these names, which was an identity change that they were trying to do, but they remained true to who God called them to be. And I want to say this to every person in this room, every person watching online, every person watching on the podcast, that nobody can take your identity in Christ from you. That's a good place to say Amen. amen. Nobody can take that out of you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego feared God more than they feared the furnace. If you remember, they were threatened, and we're going to read this story, to be thrown in the furnace if they didn't worship a false god. In Daniel 3, verse 16 to 30, I'm going to read it all. It's, it's a little lengthy, but bear with me this morning because I'm telling you there's some revelation in this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar, and they said, Your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything else that you might want to cook up. I love that. Oh, King, but even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of a difference, O king. We still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the golden statue you set up. I love that. We need more of those Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's in today's culture that say, I am not bending a knee to the sin of this world or to what you say I'm supposed to conform to, but I'm going to live according to this book. Can I get an amen? amen? This ought to encourage somebody. You need to wake yourself up this morning. What happens with Nebuchadnezzar? His face turns purple with anger. He's, he's really irritated in this moment because he wanted submission and he didn't get submission. I'm going to skip down to verse 24. Suddenly, King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in an alarm and said, alarmed and said, didn't we throw three men? He threw them in the fire. Didn't we throw three men in there and bind them up? And verse 25, but look, he said, I see four men walking around freely in the fire, completely unharmed. And the fourth man looks like the son of God. So they carried the Lord with them by being willing to go into the fire, into the furnace, bucking culture, bucking what would have saved their life, and God rescued them in the fire. How many of you know when you are bold for the Lord, it's amazing what he will rescue you out of. We cannot be a people of fear. We've got to say God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind, which means I'm going to stick up for the standards that I know are in scripture. I'm not going to muddy this up. I'm not going to muck it up. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to walk in, in the will of God and according with his plan. And I don't care what man says, I will not bow. This is good stuff. Nebuchadnezzar went to the door of the roaring furnace and called in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's servants of the high God. Come out here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked out of the fire. I love that they walked right out of it, untouched. 
All the important people, check out what happens here. They get the attention of culture right here. They get the attention of government leaders, kings, counselors, gathered around to examine them and discovered that the fire hadn't so much as touched all three of these men. Not a single hair singed, not a scorch mark on their clothes, not even the smell of fire on them. Now I want to stop right here. Because in the end times, I see Christians getting scared about what's coming. I'm praying for a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego anointing on the church. That we are not afraid of what's coming. You do not need to lose sleep over the day and the hour that we're living in. You go, should I be afraid of Russia? No, you shouldn't. The Bible says God's not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Should I be afraid of China? No, you shouldn't. Should I be afraid of what things are looking like? Should I be afraid of gas prices? You shouldn't be afraid at all. You should tell fear no. I'm getting passionate because I'm seeing Christians. And and, and listen, it says in the word that in the last days, men and women, by the way, that's gender neutral. Their hearts will fail them because they're afraid. So deal with fear. A healthy heart is not afraid. It understands that perfect love, which is God, casts out all fear. You have no reason to be afraid. Take authority over a spirit of fear. You have authority over that. Check this out. Nebuchadnezzar said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because he threw them in a fire, trying to burn them to death, and they make it. He sent his angel and rescued his servants. It flips the heart of a king. Their obedience flipped the heart of a king. I want to ask you this. Are you living set apart that your obedience would even turn the heart of a president, a king? Because that's the direct ramification it can have is that you become a culture changer by leading being set apart. But it's a choice. You're saying, God, I submit to be obedient to your word. What you say is what I'll do. It's yes, sir. Nebuchadnezzar, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They ignored the king's orders and laid their bodies on the line rather than serve or worship any God but their own. Therefore, the king says, I issue a decree. I love this. Anyone anywhere of any race, color, or creed who says anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be ripped to pieces, limb from limb, and their houses torn down. There has never been a God who can pull off such a rescue like this. He sees the supernatural power of God and he's blown away by it. And it turned his heart and not only his heart, but the heart of the whole nation. He said, there's a new decree here. We will serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want to be responsible for leading that. How about you? I want to be responsible for being noticed like that. And I love this. Check out this verse. For those of you that don't think promotion is scriptural, it is. Verse 30, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of Babylon. And you might be feeling like when you look around, you're looking at a perverted, sick culture like Babylon. But God can promote you in this culture if you're obedient. This culture doesn't dictate God's promotion. Well, I'm going to say that again, and I need somebody to amen me. This culture does not dictate God's promotion. I'm going to try that again. This culture does not dictate God's promotion. Okay, good. Y'all are awake. Awesome. Thank you, church. Choosing to be set apart leads to godly promotion. 
God blesses obedience. Now, I'm going to give you three quick points. Number one, we have to choose not to bow. Choosing not to bow requires all in commitment to God. All in. God, I'm not half in. I'm all in. I'm fully committed to you. Philippians 2, verse 10 to 11. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How many of you know every knee has to bow at the name of Jesus? Pay me now or pay me later. It's going to happen. Number two, not bowing is going to take sacrifice. Yeah, there's times you're going to feel like you're alone. My, my personal testimony, this does not make me better than anybody else. This is just my personal testimony. I was in high school, and I've never shared this story, so it's a new one. I, was, I, was, I graduated high school, and uh, I noticed that a lot of my friends were falling away from the Lord. And it was devastating to me. In fact, I lost every friend that I had, literally. And not only did I lose every friend that I had, I lost every friend that I had after losing a brother at the age of 16. So I became real familiar with loss. What I did not realize as I felt like a victim in those moments, and trust me, you could talk to mom and pops, and they will tell you this was difficult for me. Losing all of my close friends that were going off and partying, and I mean, it was difficult. It was a very difficult moment for me. And then on top of it, God told me to stay home and not to go to college, to stay home and apply myself. So I did, I did online, I did, I did a, um, a correspondence course, and, and I, I really wanted to go, but the Lord told me to stay in the atmosphere that I was in and not leave. Now, I met Liz, and some miracles happened out of that, and we ended up getting engaged, and I was engaged way before I was, we were 18, so it was like everybody was like, you're way too young. What are you doing? And I was like, I, look, God, God's moving. Look at her. Take a look at her. Tell me you wouldn't marry her. I mean, come on. Can I get a shot <laughs> Somebody's out there going, okay. But I had to sacrifice, but then I became... I had friends, uh, some, some other friends that were, they were going to college for music and all, all this different stuff. And about four years later, I had a friend that came back and had come back to the Lord and sat with me. And they said, you know, it, it's, it's kind of unfair. I said, what's unfair? They said, it's kind of unfair. You're the worship pastor here at this mega church. And, and for New Jersey, it was a mega church. You're the worship pastor here. It's like it was just handed to you. I don't understand that. I said, no, 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 no. No, 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 you didn't walk where I walked when all y'all left the Lord and I stayed faithful to the Lord. You weren't with me in the dark soul of the night where I was crying my eyes out because I felt like I lost every relationship because I did. And that was after losing my brother. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. But a friend loves at all times, right? Yes. A friend loves at all times. So I continue to love them, but a promotion came because of my obedience and I was accused that it was nepotism because of family. My dad was the pastor, you know, all these different things. I said, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with my commitment and obedience to the Lord that I'm living pure and holy that God's promoting. And I'm not, I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just saying I've experienced promotion out of a moment of obedience. And it was hard. And there were temptations. 18 years old, there were temptations. 
Liz was one of the temptations. And thankfully, praise God, by his grace, we saved ourselves from marriage. And my wedding night, she's the only girl I've ever been with. And thank God, I love you, babe. It's all for you. And baby, you worth it. And I want to encourage all the single people out there. When it, That feels good. But not bowing will take sacrifice. Nike says no pain, no gain. You probably all heard it. Sacrificing the momentary pleasure of sin has eternal reward. Can I say that again? Somebody needs to write that on your arm. Sacrificing the momentary pleasure of sin has eternal reward. And then the third and last point is that not bowing will mean we need to choose no to going into the fire alone. Don't go into the fire alone. Thank the Lord that when I lost all my friends, I had an older generation that was there that I surrounded myself with godly company and that kept me on point. It was not my awesomeness that kept me on point. It was the godly relationships. The Bible is very clear. Bad company corrupts good morals, which is why I encourage you, if all your fellowship is people that do not love the Lord, you need to check your fellowship and change it. You need people that will pull you higher and not pull you down. You go, well, I'm a leader. You need somebody that's pulling you higher. Everybody needs somebody that's pulling them higher. Get attracted to people who will pull you higher. Let's choose to be set apart today. We need people to go through temptations with us that when we're struggling, guys, listen, if you're struggling with a a temptation, it's not the end of the world. Find somebody. The Bible says, confess your sins one to another. Find somebody, confess your sin, ask for forgiveness. And the Bible is very clear that God forgives you. So y'all, if God's willing to forgive us when we mess up, we need to be willing to forgive as the church when somebody messes up. Amen. Oh, but the church struggles with the forgiveness thing. We struggle with the let go thing. And then, you know, there's the other thing. We forgive you, but no, I'm not going to forget that. I'm going to bring that up 10 years down the road when you irritate me. Uh uh uh. Check yourself. That's sin. You're the one in sin in that moment. Can I tell you something? Somebody who gets excited when somebody else is in sin, there's skeletons in that person's closet. No, I'm going to say it again. Yeah, I am going to say it again. That when somebody gets excited about another person's sin, you can guarantee there's sin in that person's life that's getting excited about it. You do not rejoice over somebody's sin. Your heart should be grieved and broken, and we're supposed to cover each other, not expose. I don't know why I went there. That was free. But we need accountability, level-headed accountability. I want to share with you this story. I had a friend that called me recently and said, I'm struggling with something. It's, it's very difficult, and I, I don't know how to overcome this, this issue in my life. It was pretty serious. And I said, well, have you talked to your pastor? He said, I, I could never do that. He said, I'm, I'm looking for another church that I could talk to that pastor because I really don't want my pastor to know about this situation. I just don't want, I don't want our reputation messed up in the church that we're in. And I said, do you understand how sick that is? If you don't feel comfortable sharing the sin you're in in the church that you're in, find another church. Get around people that you could be honest with and say, I'm struggling. And if those people don't rush to help you and they end up being critical, get away from them and rebuke them in the name of the Lord. No, that's what the church is all about. We're a family. We are a family. When somebody's struggling, be a family member and cover that person. Don't gossip about it. 
Well, the Lord showed me. I actually knew before they came. Well, maybe the Lord was telling you to pray for that person. We need more intercessors and less gossipers. A church should be a place where we feel safe, not ashamed. Can I say that again? Church should be a place where we feel safe, not shamed. So let's choose to be a part of a family today. Let's choose to stand for God. And let's, let's choose to journey this together. We need each other. That's why I, I, I focus so hard on getting people to come here on Sundays. And we celebrate the fellowship that comes after. You know, we, we celebrate you guys chilling and communing with each other. We celebrate meals together. Because we want to do life as a family. Hope Covenant Church, we might as well change the name to church to Hope Covenant Family because that's what the word means. So when one member of the body suffers, we all suffer. And we rejoice with you when there's good happening. And we're with you when we're, listen, church, we need to be the type of church that when somebody's at the hospital, it's like, hey, what could I cook for dinner for you? What, what can we, can I get you a meal? Lynn and Ashlyn, I love y'all so much. I'm about to cry. When we were going through our loss, it, I mean, Ashlyn, Liz showed me the text. Is like, hey, can, we, can I do this for you? Can I do that? And, and a lot of you guys did. So thank you guys. But I, it was, it's overwhelming because that's what the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to celebrate each other. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, this is God, you'll find me. He rewards those that seek him with diligence. In other words, when you feel lost and you can't find God, keep going and keep going and keep seeking and keep seeking because you're going to find him. He'll find you. He'll show up and show off when you have a need. That's my loving God. So let's choose as a church family to go all in and live a life set apart that we're not gonna shame. We're gonna make sacrifices. There's times we're gonna feel like we're alone. Guys, when you choose to walk set, up, set apart, chosen, I'm, I'm, that, I'm, I'm the few. Lord, I, I, I wanna be that remnant. I wanna be that few. It's gonna be sometimes where you feel like you're all alone. But how many of you know to whom much is given, much is required? And I believe we've all been given a tremendous opportunity to lead. So together, we're going to live lives that are set apart, holy. And we're going to live for God's pleasure. Do you know that we're supposed to live? That's our purpose, is we're supposed to be living for His pleasure. We want to worship and enjoy His presence forever. Amen? So let's pray this morning. Father, I ask for a release of Your presence this morning. Lord, none of this is to condemn, but it is to convict. Father, I thank you that you're bringing us out of our comfort zones. And today we make the choice that we're gonna up this thing about living set apart. Father, we repent for anything in our life right now that is not holy and acceptable to you. Any sin, any gossip, any slandering, any unforgiveness. Lord, where we've been holding back from you for not daily making the commitment to be in your presence. 
Lord, even for the company and the fellowship that we're around. God, we ask you to forgive us and to wash us. Deliver us from the anxiety of sin. Deliver us from sin, and then the anxiety will leave. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name, Lord. Lord, captivate us. Captivate us. The way we live set apart and holy. This is a choice. We right now, we make that and we dedicate ourselves to you, Jesus. Let's just do this. If you're in a position where in every eye, every eye opened, let's do this with every eye opened because there's no shame in this room. We're a family. If you're like, man, I needed this. I needed the challenge this morning. Would you just lift your hands? Father, I thank you right now for touching every person in here. I know I needed this challenge. My hand's up. Lord, we lean into you. We press into you. And we thank you, Lord, that we're set apart and we're holy and that you've washed us clean in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe that, would you shout amen? amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. And I just want to lead you in a declaration. Say this with me. Repeat this. This morning, I choose boldness that I'm set apart. I'm living for you, Lord. I dedicate myself and I ask you, God, for your promotion. Put me in strategic places, in divine moments that I can make a difference for you. In your name, if you believe that, would you shout amen? Church, I love you. We'll see you next week at 1030. Let's go ahead and fellowship. I love you guys. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc, and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.